So I can't think of, I can't think of a better analogy than this. I don't know what it is. Look, there are things that separate us men and women. There are definitely cultural differences. I um, uh, found this really amazing hoodie while I was in Houston. It was this gorgeous pink hoodie with a lion, bling, bling, okay? Like a rhinestone cowboy. So I, all I knew was, but I, I, I found it downstairs. See, Emily had left her nice hoodie downstairs in the hotel and they all went to bed and I grabbed it and picked it up. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know whose it was at the time, but I kept it. And there was apparently a lot of chitter chatter in our group chat. Did anybody see my hoodie? And they were going to the counter. They checked the lost and found at the hotel. The hotel was looking around for it. I had it the whole time. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not answering. So finally I came down last. All the group is sitting there and I came down in the hoodie. And I wore it the rest of the day till I preached. And everyone came up to me and said the same thing. Sir, uh, Dean said, sir, uh, I wouldn't normally wear pink on a man, but uh, you could pull it off. And I said, I do look good, don't I? You might not get this back, Emily. Finally gave her a hoodie back under duress. There's pro I'm sure there's pictures. Yeah, I look good. I'll put it on again. I don't mind. So, like, not every guy can pull off pink, right? I'll borrow yours in a minute, okay? Not every guy can pull off pink, right? But there are some things that, for whatever reason, that doesn't make any sense to us, kind of divide men and women, right? It's like men typically aren't going to wear pink. Women, a lot of times, wear pink. There's just these certain cultural things, right? Like, if you cover my house in flowers, I'm going to be pretty annoyed. I don't want frilly flowers all over my room. Animal prints, okay, because, like, lions are cool, so... There's like, that's like a middle ground that me and Rachel found. So like our bedroom had like lots of like lions and tigers and no bears. Oh my, um, no bears, just lions and tigers. So you could do that because that's manly still. And you know, you could go both directions with that. So that's like a fair compromise, right? So uh, yeah, we actually have like a real cheetah on our wall, like an actual skin from it. Don't get mad at me. I didn't kill it myself. It was given to me by an African missionary, Okay. And it died of natural causes involving lead. <laughs> natural hunters. All right, so, uh, so there's all these differences, right? Like, so, so men typically are not the ones that want, a fla like want flowers, uh, right? We don't, ladies, we don't bring our husbands flowers. Husbands, have you ever got flowers? Anybody in here ever got flowers? Nobody? Not one of you ever got flowers? That's a, that's a good choice, ladies. Keith did? Was it weird? Oh, okay, yeah. See, it would be weird. If, if my wife bought me flowers, come on, man, you know what I'm talking about. If my wife brought me flowers, I'd be like, ah. Right, just, just a little lapel flower, maybe. But yeah, it's, it's weird. We, we don't typically lean that direction. There are differences between us. And I find that uh, for some reason, um, uh, usually women don't like insects. I don't think men like insects, but women particularly unfond of insects unless that insect happens to have pretty wings. <laughs> then we call it a butterfly and ladies love butterflies, right? They love that insect. That one's okay, but if you take the wings off, that's gross. No, I don't mean like you, you don't, okay, no, we're not. I don't mean actually, to, I mean if it doesn't have wings, 
right? So, so for some reason, the ladies love butterflies, but I think there's a lesson that we can learn from the butterfly that might help us in this direction of trying to shift and change our atmosphere and understand what God is saying to us this morning. See, a butterfly is a very interesting thing. It starts out without the wings, I've never seen one lady, I've seen lots of women get like butterfly tattoos and butterflies on their shirt and butterfly pictures. I've never seen one of them with like, look at my caterpillars. Look, I got a cool caterpillar tattoo. Ew, squishy. You ever seen one, somebody with a caterpillar tattoo? Nobody wants to be the caterpillar. Nobody wants to be that worm. But they all want the butterfly. As soon as you add the wings, somehow it's girly and wonderful and beautiful. But the process of getting to those wings, there's something we can learn in that process. You know, before a caterpillar can become a butterfly, it has to go through a cocooning season. It has to go a season where it's separated, isolated, and cut off from its environment on the outside. There has to be a safe place where it begins to be fed, nurtured, and changed. It goes through a metamorphosis. Metanoia, Greek word. It goes through a transformation, but it only happens inside the cocoon. And I think a lot of us as believers, we never put ourselves in an environment. We never surround ourselves in a cocoon, in a situation, in an atmosphere for transformation to truly take hold. In fact, we never get in that atmosphere long enough for change to actually take place. What you surround yourself with will actually cause you to transform into. And if all we ever do is a little bit of church, a little bit of God, a little bit of word, then we are never actually cocooning ourselves, putting a hedge of protection around us long enough that God can actually transform us. And we stunt the transformation process. Forget the growth. We never get to transformation. You could be a, you could, you could grow. You can grow. You can be a big old fat caterpillar. Any guys remember Bugs Life? Oh, he's eating as a hungry little caterpillar, big caterpillar. But until you transform, until you get into the cocoon, you'll never transform. I don't got to be, I don't got to go to church to be a good Christian. You do if you want to be a transformed one. See, but there's something very interesting about that cocooning process. You see, a lot of times, you know, uh, what the church does is, is very similar to what we want to do. If we see a cocoon and we see a caterpillar who is now ready to emerge, the transformation has taken place. Maybe some of you have gone through a transformation where you've sat in here, you've come into church, you've let God transform you, you've died to yourself, you've let the caterpillar die, and now the butterfly is ready to emerge. There is a transformation, and you're ready to say, Lord, I am ready for the next step. I'm ready for the next season. I'm ready to come out of hiding and let the beauty of what you've done to me show. Somebody can clap for that. We want to let that show. The, the, the problem is, is that it's hard. It's Chris. It's always Chris. You guys online can't hear him clapping down the hallway. The problem is, is that sometimes we don't understand how to efficiently step into the next season. To step out out of what God has called us to be and become. And what happens is, have you ever seen, anybody in here ever seen a, a butterfly actually emerge from a cocoon? See, th there's something, this is probably more of a lady thing, but they see the cocoon and it is a struggle. You know, it is very difficult to get out of a cocoon. They made it to protect themselves from the outside world. 
It's also built well enough to get out of it is hard. It is difficult. And there is a desire maybe in some people, especially in children, a lot of times you have to go up to a child and, and, and they see the butterfly beginning to come out of the cocoon and you have to tell them, don't help it. Do not help that butterfly. The desire is, oh gosh, it's struggling to get out of the cocoon. I should go over there and rip open the cocoon to help it get out. Do you know what will happen if you do it for it? That butterfly will never fly. Does that make him just butter? Doesn't make much sense when you think about it now. He'll never fly. The thoughts I have as I'm preaching, right? Butter, butter. He'll never fly because there's something that happens, a strengthening of his wings as he is fortitude, strengthened to get out of the cocoon. See, there's something about the cocoon. Not only does it cause the butterfly to grow strength into his wings to be able to fly, but there is something about that tiny little opening that he has to squeeze through as he starts to make a hole and her, him, squeeze through that takes the fluid that's built up in his wings and it presses all of the fluid out of its wings. See, the reason they can't fly is one, the strength, but two, there's fluid in their wings. And unless that pressing comes through the narrow opening, the fluid stays in their wings. They'll be too heavy. They cannot fly. Well, now you know. There's no fluid. There's fluid that has to come out of the wings. And what we want to do is come over there and help the thing out. What we don't realize is we've kept it from flying. So many times what people do is they come to church thinking my job is to rip the cocoon open for you. My job is to encourage you to come out of the cocoon yourself. It's to encourage you. Like the word of God says, narrow is the way that leads to life. Broad is the way that leads to death. My job is to encourage you to press through the narrow path that God has that leads to life. My job is to encourage you to go through that center place that's so narrow that there is a pressing on your life that squeezes and presses the anointing of God out of you. See, your job is not to keep it in you it's to release it through you. See that pressing. The Bible says the narrow way. The pressing is what releases the oil in your life so that you can fly. And without the narrow way, maybe some of you will never learn to fly. Mm. The word of God says this in Psalms 105, 15. It says, touch not my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Oh, you've heard that one before, right? Every TV preacher has preached that one a few times. That's a favorite one amongst pastors. I can't tell. If you ask pastors to honestly answer, what's my favorite scripture? Touch not my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Mean people. They, that's, a, that's, the, 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 that's the expanded version. Right, that's the amplified. That's the pastor amplified. Touch not my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. I, I think there's something in this though. So what we, we want to say is, hey, hey, we're always getting picked on. We're always getting challenged. People want to come against what we have to say. Touch not my anointed. Well, I got to say it right. Touch not my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. You hear me? Yeah. 
I could preach like that. Touch not my anointing. You touch me. Don't touch me. <laughs> touch not my anointing. So we use that as a tool that says we're never allowed to be challenged. You're never allowed to disagree with us or challenge us. There's a difference between condemning, criticizing, and critiquing and challenging. There's a difference between those two. One can be done respectfully in honor. One is done to humiliate and dishonor. And there is a difference. There's a broad difference. But that's not actually what this scripture actually means. See, the Hebrew word there for touch, someone say touch. Someone say, don't touch me. Okay, there we go. You're all sitting next to you. Don't touch me. Hebrew word for touch is naga. 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 And it actually means a physical violence. Okay, some kind of physical violence. But it, it actually doesn't work in this context. There's two different kind of meanings for it. One can be a physical violence, except that one says, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. I think the second part of this is about the violent part. Do my prophets no harm. So the second definition of this word actually more applies here in this scripture. The Hebrew word naga in this particular case means touch not, touch as in uh, the situation where a leper would touch a person, okay? It also meant that, a physical harm or an infection, a touch that caused infection. So a leper touching a clean person, making them unclean. So the scripture really is this, do not make my anointed ones unclean with your touch, with your mouth, with your attitude, with your atmosphere, with your behavior. Do not corrupt my anointed ones and don't do my prophets any harm. See, even God understood that the ones that were serving him needed to be guarded about the atmosphere of their life. So much so that he said to people, do not touch, do not corrupt those which I have set apart. Who set apart? Just the pastors? Who's the anointed ones? You are. See, the, the Bible tells us about 10 virgins. And it talks about ones that had oil and ones that didn't. We're all the bride. It's an analogy of the bride. Some of us are foolish and didn't bring any extra oil. Some of us did have the oil. And he's saying, touch not the ones with the oil. I want you to understand the word anointed doesn't mean gifted. That, that's a, I, I don't know where we get that from. I, I'm praying for you and healings happen and the fire of God is moving and I'm prophesying. And then you say, he's so anointed. You, you know what you're actually saying? See, it says that Samuel anointed David as king. He took oil, poured it over his head and said, you're going to be king. It was a positioning. It was an empowering for a position. Power to position. Power in position. That's what anointing really is. The word anointing. Okay? To anoint. I looked up that word anoint as well, and it means that. It means to position or it means to pour. He's so poured. To cover. He's so, he's so covered. Right? I'm so, he is so positioned. Look at him up there positioned. Right? So, so it, we, we kind of use the, the term kind of real broadly. It's not really what it defines it to be. 
Uh, the church has kind of redefined that word to mean somebody who's walking in position with God who has power and authority and uses and exercises and release that. So we've created this whole kind of uh, broader explanation of the word anointing. So I'm not challenging that. I just want us to understand where the word comes from and the root of the word so that we can understand what it says. Touch not my anointed ones, not my special set apart ones, the ones who I poured oil on and positioned. The ones who are carrying the oil for this season. David was anointed as king. He was Oil was poured on his head. And then he was given a position. He had not yet walked into it. But he was anointed. It doesn't say just the ones that are positioned, but the ones being prepared for positioning. See, there are some of you in this room that God is preparing for the next season. You may still be in the field, but God has called you to a throne. He's elevating you into leadership. He's elevating you into the call of God on your life. And you are still in the pasture. You are still sitting under the pastor. You are still in the group. You're still in that group. And that's okay. God is saying in this one, don't touch them. In other words, don't corrupt the ones in process of positioning. And the ones that are already positioned, the prophets, they're already in that title. Don't do them any harm. Don't corrupt their atmosphere. Don't make them unclean. Don't change their atmosphere. So if God cares so much about other people guarding themselves against hurting your atmosphere, this is David who was anointed king saying this. So I think the context of David makes sense. Don't corrupt my anointed ones. It's a warning about being a corrupted, sinful atmosphere around anointed people. I want to encourage you. It's a warning that you should not bring your corruption around anointed people. When you get around someone who carries the presence of God, when you get around someone who lives for God, someone who loves the Lord, their atmosphere should shift you, not you shift theirs. Amen. When, you rock around, when you walk around someone who's got a different level of commitment to the Lord than you do, don't try to bring them down to your level so you feel better. Rise up to theirs. Don't say, ah, it's okay, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Rise up to theirs. Let their anointing, let the anointing that someone has where they, you see the holiness of God on their life, rise up to that level. Because here what I want to say to you is that anointing, holiness, anointing does not come by holiness. You can't be holy to get anointing. Anointing brings holiness. It is not from holiness. See, there are so many people that think, if I just be more holy, then I'll be more anointed. If I could just get more righteous and more holy and, just, and my prayer life is just that much better, then God will see all the good things that I'm doing and he'll see that I'm a good son and a daughter and he'll bless me and he'll pour out on me. Moms, your moms, whether or not you're a good mom that day. There are days where moms get up and it is hot mess mom day, Right? That's why God invented messy bun. Some of you ladies have perfected messy bun. How do you do it so perfectly? Oh man, your messy bun looks perfect. When did we invent a hairstyle that said, I didn't have time to do my hair today? Right? Oh, your messy bun looks good. No, this is just mom had a mom day. It's a mom day. It's a mom day. You come to church, you're like, I fix myself. I fix myself up. We know what you look like the rest of the time. It's okay. We know those sweats have not been washed in two weeks. Well, why? Mom sweats. 
that she's sweating. Yeah, so because not every day is easy. I'm just going to let you process that for a minute. You, guys are, you know why you're laughing? Because all of you are like, yep, that's true. That's, that's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. Okay? I know us men are way worse, right? We got like three clothes piles. Let's, let's be honest. Right? There's clothes that it's not quite dirty. I could wear that again pile. Right? And that's a pile that's close to the laundry basket. It's not in the laundry basket because it doesn't yet need to. It may or may not get washed, but it, pro, it might. So I don't want to put it in the laundry, make you do extra laundry. So it doesn't go in the basket. It stays outside the not quite ready. And then there's the pile that says these are clean. I just haven't put them away yet pile. This is true. This is true. Okay, so we're probably worse. I'm going to admit that, okay? Moms, you get a win. And that messes up your atmosphere real bad. It, it clutters your house, doesn't it? See, but the, the butterfly season is about releasing the oil. When, when it's God's time to position you, when it's God's time to release you into the plan and purpose that God has for you, there is an oil, there is a pressing that you have to go through. Because it's a narrow way. I want you to understand this. The narrow way requires pressing. So we took our, we just went down to Houston and did Glory in America. And we took our new red passenger van down there for the first time uh, and got to take that down there. We made it down there just fine. And we noticed something was going wrong. The oil uh, gauge was like slamming down and going back up, slamming down and going back up. And we, we checked it and it was quartz low. And we're like, oh man, we need some oil. We put some oil in it and we found out that it was eating oil like a thirsty man in a desert. And it was just eating oil. It took us seven quarts of oil to get home. Yeah, that's a lot of oil. Seven quarts. So we got to check it and find out what's wrong. I've been working on it this week, trying to figure it out. Could be some small stuff, not really sure yet, but it's just eating oil. And I may or may not have fixed it already. We'll find out in a couple of weeks as we drive it. But it's eating a lot of oil just around town. We're not taking it on trips yet. So I've been trying to drive it everywhere to see if the oil's still getting eaten or if I fixed it. So, uh, but, but what we realize is we got to stop and get some oil. When that, when that bar starts going like that, it is time to pull over right now and put some oil in it. Because I, what I've heard, and I understand I'm not a mechanic or anything like that, but you know, I have a little bit of brain cells, is that if you don't put oil in the engine, bad things happen to the engine. It, 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 the engine has moving parts that require oil in there, pistons and rings and doohickeys and thingamabobs and cranky things and shafty things. I don't know. Lots of stuff. But they all require oil. I know what the stuff is. They all require oil. See, because what happens is, is that as those parts are moving, if they're not well lubricated, if they don't have oil on them, then something, a scientific principle will begin to emerge called friction. And that metal scraping against the metal will cause a friction. 
and it will cause what was once smooth to become rough. See, there are things that you go through in your life. There are situations that you walk through that God has called you to go through on the narrow road that will press up against you and will bring friction to your life. There are the problems of this world. There are the issues that you face that will bring friction to your life. And if you don't have any oil, if you don't have heaven's anointing, if you don't have the presence of God in your life, that friction will rough you up. There are two types of people in life. There are the people with and without the oil. They, we go through the same problems, you and I. Every one of us face the same trials and tribulations most of the time. We have family issues and we have financial issues. We go through similar issues. The difference is, is the ones that make it through it smooth are the ones with the oil. The other ones, life tends to rough up. They go through a problem and it defeats them. It makes them bitter. It makes them angry and it roughs up what was meant to be smooth and God has called you to be smooth and in order to do that you can't protect yourself you can't have a good positive mental attitude and make it through life unroughed up that's not the cure there are lots of people trying to do self-help. That's why every year, thousands of new self-help books come out. If self-help worked, they'd stop coming out with books because they already wrote them and they worked. What do you need another one for? Anthony Robbins already did it. If it works so well, why we keep, why we keep rewriting? You know what we don't have? We don't have Bible number two. We don't have Bible number two. Why? Because the Bible works. We don't need another version. So we don't need another self-help book because we have rough edges. We need the anointing. We need the oil of heaven to be pressed. But that's the thing about the butterfly is that it's not just in them, it's pressed out of them. There has to be in order to see God work in your life, to see God bring the frictionless environment that allows you to slip through the narrow way unscathed. Allows you to slip through the, you know, the beautiful thing about oil is when friction happens with oil, you know what happens? It actually smooths some. It'll take the rough edges and sand them off and bring a smoothing to them. So God's anointing will smooth off the edges you carried into your relationship with God as you get around anointed people, people positioned to pour out. It's necessary like the butterfly to allow that oil to be squeezed out of you. If you keep it in you, you'll be stunted. Oh, I got, I got the oil on my life. I got heaven. You know, the word of God tells us this in Isaiah 61. It says, it, it tells us what the oil is. It says the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God is upon me. He has anointed me. He has anointed me. That's what the next phrase says. He has anointed me. And it goes through a list of what he's anointed to do. Heal the sick, the favorable year of the Lord goes through a whole list of everything he's anointed to do. That's what Jesus proclaims in the temple, or in the synagogue, I should say. He proclaims that in the synagogue in Luke 4.18. He proclaims that word that today is Isaiah 61, and today I proclaim that he has anointed me, that the Holy Spirit is on me, the Spirit of the living God is on me to set the captives free. He anointed me to do it. So what is the anointing? What is the oil? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that is on you and in you and pouring out of you that allows that to happen. 
Lord, position me, not without the Holy Spirit. See, that's why I said you, your holiness doesn't bring the Holy Spirit. He is holy. Receiving his spirit makes you holy, not your own holiness. But we control the atmosphere of our life. We make a decision of how we're going to position ourselves with atmosphere. We have to be atmosphere shifters and atmosphere changers. Can I give you a little example of what it looks like to shift an atmosphere? Oh, I got one yes. Thank you. Thank you for your agreement. Thank you for your agreement. Okay, you guys online too, on Zoom, you, you guys can do this with me. I just want to give you one little example of atmosphere. So I, I want you guys to, I, I, need, I need some amens. I need somebody to preach back at me. I need somebody to hoop and holler. I need some noise back at me. Because if you are quiet, this is not going to work very long. And, and, it, and it turns out like I, I'm planning to be done actually pretty soon. I know that word soon can mean a lot of things, but I'm... I'm, I'm looking right here. I'm pretty close to the end of my notes that I have. Um, and, but if you guys are real quiet, I just don't feel like you got enough. So, so, I mean, we could go, we could go a few more hours for sure. I'll keep preaching until someone starts crying. That's all I'm saying. That's, I'm, hold that for a second. Cause you don't want to miss the next part. It's, you're going you're gonna to regret that, okay? So I'm just saying I need you guys to be a little vocal back to me, okay? All right? So I say A, you say? Oh, see, you figured that out real quick. There's smart people up in here. I got a good church. A good church. They understood the assignment. All right, let me show you that. You know, there's this cultural phenomenon where a lot of us know something and we, and we can, we can th there are a lot of songs maybe that all of us might know congruently. Now, this list is not extensive, but I, I tried to pick a couple here that maybe all of us collectively, both young and old, might actually know the words to. So I'm gonna start this and, and I want you to see if you can finish it for me, okay? It's a song and it goes something like this. And I... Oh, you guys love me. That's really great. That's nice. That's nice. All right. Just like that, you knew it. What about this one? Sweet Caroline. Come on. You guys know that. How about I got a feeling? Okay. That was about half of you. Y'all need to catch up. with. You. It's okay. It's okay. You're holy. You're holy. You don't know this stuff. It's fine. You don't know this stuff. You don't know this stuff. All right. I'm halfway there. Living. That's like Christian. That, yeah, come on. I think it, I swear. Right? That's like Christian because it's talking about praying. So that one's okay. That's okay, right? Oh, this one's easy. Ready? Don't stop. That's got to be Christian. That's got to be Christian. We don't want to stop believing in the Lord, right? Right? All right, here's, here's one to take you back just a little bit. Ready? Everyone should know this from two words. Ice, ice. Oh, don't call me baby. That's what my wife's. What's wrong with you guys? Call your pastor, baby. Okay, here's just one word. You ready? You ready? Mama. Oh, you guys know that Bohemian Rhapsody. Let's try another one. Here, I'm not even going to say a word this time. Ready? I'm not even going to say a word. We will. Oh, you guys are good. You know, everyone's like, can we do it one more time? Sure, go. That's what we should be saying. Like, we need a Christian version of that. 
Rock you down, shake you up. Like a volcano, you'll erupt. I don't I'm trying to come up with something new. That's not the words. Trying to come up with something new. Okay, so you see that just instantly. I said one word and the atmosphere shifted. I sang one little line and the atmosphere shifted. See, we need to recognize how easy it is to shift the atmosphere, both for the good and for the bad. If some of those songs are like, oh, that's a little worldly, that's how you shift one line, one word, two phrases, and the room shifts. You control the atmosphere. You shift it. What comes out of you should be the oil of heaven. And when I walk in a room and I start stomping, I'm stomping for the Lord and I shift the atmosphere from an ungodly environment to a godly environment because I recognize that the word that comes out of my mouth, I don't need 500 words. I need one word. I need the word that is above every other word, the name of Jesus. And when I say Jesus, the atmosphere shifts. It changes. And so what comes out of me matters. The oil that comes out of me matters. When you are pressed, when you are squeezed, when you are in a transitional season, what comes out of you? Is it complaint or is it praise? Is it anxiety and worry or is it worship? What comes out of your mouth transforms your environment. Oh God, I'm going through a season, but I worship you because you are still good. And the atmosphere changes. It shifts. And an oil is released out of my life that sends me, squeezes me through the narrow and into the place that God has called me to go. Because God has called us to go. Every one of us are called to go. You might not go to nations, but you are called to go to someone. Go into all the world. Some of you can't get into the world because you've never gone through the cocoon. Some of you are still hiding in the cocoon because you're afraid of the world. And so you've never been squeezed. You've never been pressed. You've never felt what it looks like to squeeze through a narrow place and say, God, this hurts a lot, but I'm going to press through. And sometimes it just feels like I'm not going to make it. And sometimes I get stuck. And sometimes I have to pull back a little bit and something happens and I pull back and I'm like, Lord, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. Some of you may get stuck sometimes. Some of you may fail. Some of you may fall, but you are still protected by the Lord. And the Lord is saying, get up, put yourself in the narrow path again and squeeze through. Never mind the defeat you just went through. Never mind the failure. Worship me again. Let the words of your mouth be the affirmative for me and say, God, I won't let the words of my mouth fall to the ground and be empty. And I'm not going to rely on my pastor to rip open my cocoon all the time and make me unable to fly because I'm contingent on his word, not my own. See, so many people want me as the pastor to rip open the cocoon. You want me to open it. You want me to do all the pouring and you don't realize there's oil in your life that God wants to press out. And if I tear it open for you, instead of just encourage you that you can do it. My job as a pastor is to encourage you and equip you how to do it, not do it for you. I'm not called to evangelize everyone for you. My job is not to fill up the church. My job is to fill you up and you fill up the church. See, see here's the truth is when I talk to the leaders, let me just give you a little behind the scenes. When I talk to the leaders, leaders talk very different than congregants. The members do. Leaders talk about things about how, they, they don't talk about how they're changing. They talk about how their people are changing. They're like, I have seen so much growth in this person. I've seen so much growth in them. 
they talk about the growth of the people that they're in charge of. You know what they also talk about? Sorry. You know what they also talk about? They also talk about attendance. You know who doesn't talk about attendance? Church members. They don't care. You could care less if attendance was up 10%. Oh, man. You don't care at all. Why would you care? Doesn't matter at all to you, but a leader cares about attendance. Why does a leader care about attendance, but the people don't care about attendance? Because we're looking at things very differently. We're looking at the fact that we have raised up people who are out there actually sharing their faith, sharing the gospel, doing what they're called to do. That if nobody new is coming, it's because nobody has caught the vision and they're all sitting in their cocoon or asking the pastors and leaders to do it for them. As long as it's up to me, it will not be. Because it's not my assignment. My job is the pastor of this flock. The Bible says this, the job of the pastor is to equip the sheep for the work of the ministry. That's what it says. To equip the sheep for the work of the ministry. Who's the ministers? You are. Hello there, Minister Bella. How you doing? Hello, Minister Noel. Hallelujah. Hello, Minister Caleb. Minister Rose. You're the ministers. I'm just the equipper in this role. Now, when I step out of here, I'm a minister too, but I'm the equipper in that role. But my job is to equip and encourage you to be an atmosphere shifter everywhere you go. And if you're shifting atmospheres, there'll be fruit from that shifting. There'll be a transformation from that shifting. I wanna see you guys press through. I don't know what you're walking through this morning. I don't know what you've been trying to pass through. I don't know what narrow gates and rough parts and what friction has slowed you down. See, that's the thing about friction is the point of friction is not just to rough you up, but it's to slow you down. Friction will always cause what you are doing to be slower than what it was meant to be. The enemy comes to bring the walls in. He doesn't care if you're passing through the narrow place. He's already lost you on the narrow road. What he cares about is if you allow friction. You know what friction is? Your rotten mindset, your apathy, your complacency, your distance from God. You're like, Lord, I want to go to heaven. You ain't living heaven here. You don't have to go. It's available right now. Jesus came and said, the kingdom of God is here now. Lord, I want to see you. Then go press in to see him. You live your life like there's no heaven and hope you escape hell. If you live that way, you'll never see it. If you live like there is no heaven, there will be none for you. Let me just be real straight. The glory of God is available right now. The glory of God is available on the earth right now. I will never stop promoting the power of God and the love of God that pours out in palpable power. Because it's the power of God. It's the atmosphere of heaven that transforms my atmosphere. Without the atmosphere of heaven, I'm a sinner. But with heaven, it says, I am the righteousness of God. Not because I'm righteous, but because the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is pressed in and pouring out of me. And he's righteous. I cannot corrupt the uncorruptible one. 
See, that's the beautiful thing. Touch not my anointed. See, that's why I love Jesus so much. See, because the Bible is warning. David is warning you. Don't come and corrupt those that are serving God. But that's the wonderful thing about Jesus is Jesus is the one who touches the lepers and they become clean instead of him becoming unclean. And I want to serve a God that when I get unclean will come and touch me and make me clean again. It's not my cleanliness. It's his cleanliness through me that allows me to walk in power. Lord, take away my rough edges. Smooth me out. Add the oil to my life. Add the anointing of heaven to my life. Oh, don't we need a little bit more of that? Well, Pastor Ren, that anointing stuff is weird. People do weird stuff with that. Yeah. I get it. You get a little oil on your, on your life and you get a little slippery and fall down sometimes. That happens. right? That's a good point. That's right. You know, the enemy would have a whole lot of time grabbing hold of you if you were a little oily. The enemy wouldn't be able to grab on as easy and get a foothold. You know, you know when they rock climb and they put a little chalk on their hands, right? They want to make sure there's no oil so they can grip well. Some of you need to get a little oily so the enemy can lose his grip. You're like, Lord, how do I break out of this? Add the oil. Press into his presence. Worship him. Allow him to touch you and move you. But you stay at a distance. You never get in it. You never allow God to use you. You never press in and you do the hard thing. You stand up to those people that come against you. You live your faith out loud. No, you live it in a quiet place, in a cocoon. Oh, I'm a Christian at home, but I don't want to say anything on Facebook. I don't want to live out loud because they might come against me and press me. That's where the oil comes out. You need to get yourself in a situation where you need to, some of you don't understand, is the reason why you don't have much oil is you've never been in a situation to need it. You need to put yourself in a situation to need it. Some of you, the only, <laughs> some of you, the only reason you get stuck is your big head won't fit through the door. You think yourself so great. And there's no oil to get you unstuck. And if you think I'm talking to you, I am. You thought it, not me. I wasn't thinking of anybody. You could just let me know, hey, that's me. I'm the one with the big head. It's my beard that gets stuck. It's so big and beautiful. That's the one that gets stuck. And it has oil, so it's good. It's good. Slides right through. Slides right over my shirt. Never gets stuck. <laughs> it's an anointed beard like Aaron's beard dripping with oil. Yes, it is. That's what the word says. I want us to be atmosphere shifters. Can we be the kind of people that shift? I want to encourage you this morning. Look, in that Mother's Day, isn't that, isn't that the job of a mom? Isn't that really what moms did? Every one of you had a mom. I don't, I don't care which one of you in the room. Mother's Day is good, bad. You're a mom. You're not. Every one of you had a mom at one point. Maybe you didn't grow up with your mom, but you had one. You're here. So clearly a mom took part at some point. Every one of you had a mom. The heart of a mother, a good mother, 
Sometimes we have good fathers and we have good mothers and sometimes we have bad fathers and bad mothers. But those aren't our examples. We don't live by, well, my mother. I don't care about your mother. I care about what a mother should look like. And the heart of a mom is to change the atmosphere of her children, is to give them hope and a future and to give them a better future than they had. That's the heart. That should be our heart. We should carry the heart of a mother that says everyone we come in contact with, we treat them like they're our child and we want them to have a better future than the one we stumbled upon them with. We want them to have more hope than they had before we encountered them. We want them to engage and be transformed differently. Amen? Father, would you make us transformers? Would you make us atmosphere shifters? Would you make us men and women of God that carry oil, that press through hard moments, hard places, but because the Spirit of God lives on us, because we press into your presence, because we chase after the things of heaven, because we call down heaven, because we align ourselves to look like, to worship, to act, to speak, to release things that look like the kingdom of heaven. Because of that, there is oil on our life that allows us to slip through the enemy's entrapments and he cannot snare us because we are slippery, God. And we slip through the narrow places unscathed, undamaged, unroughed up, but that we can go through smoothly, pass from one place to the next, into one season to the next. God, make us those transformational people, God. Transform us. Metamorphose us. Let us go through the transformation. God, let us carry the oil of heaven so the transformation process is just a little bit easier. I don't know what you've been facing. I don't know the attacks you've been coming against. I don't know the struggles you've been dealing with. I don't know the pressures that's been coming on you. But would you let it just squeeze out a little oil from your life? Would you let the pressure squeeze out your worship? Would you let the pressure squeeze out your prayer life? Would you let the pressure chase you to the word of God so the oil of heaven can pour on you just a little bit so that God can position you for your flight so he can release you into a new season so he can let the anointing rest on you. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, I know one thing. I know that the church has been pressed. All I have to do is look around in culture, Lord, to see that the church has been pressed. That the church has become, everything we believe in has been challenged in this season. No longer is there a Christian philosophy in our nation anymore, even if they're not a Christian. There are no longer Christian values and Christian morals and Christian decency. But now everything the church believes is at polar opposite diametrically opposed to the world now. And there is a friction that's happening between us in the world, God. Now more than ever, we need the oil of heaven to keep that friction from roughing, roughing us up and getting us angry, getting us frustrated and making us bitter Christians who mouth off instead of pray, instead of prophesy. See, the oil of God will keep your attitude in alignment and the atmosphere safe so that we can shift atmospheres. God, let me not have a smart aleck reply, but a word from heaven for someone. Lord, I don't want to ever come against the world with an attitude. I want to come at it with an atmosphere. I want to shift the atmosphere. When an atheist challenged my faith, I just ask him, can I pray for you? I don't challenge them. 
Can I pray for you? Let me pray for you. I don't believe in prayer. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Why? Because I believe that the oil on my life will transform their atmosphere. So, Father, would you just transform us? There are some people in here that they're in the middle of a transformational season. They're in the middle of a transitional season where God has them cocooned. And you've been isolated and alone while God is transforming you. But it's time for you to start coming out of your shell. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody this morning. It's time for you to start coming out of your shell. And you know that God has been working on you. And this is a word for those that are chasing after God right here. God has been working on you, but you've still been in your shell. And you know it's time for you to start pressing out of it. You're scared to press out. You don't know what that looks like. You don't know how hard it is. Oh, I gotta, do I got to go to the Bible school? And does that mean I got to go to church more? Like, oh, I got to talk to my neighbors now about you. Whatever that looks like, whatever God is calling you into in this next season, it is scary to enter a whole new world. And this word speaks to you where you're saying, God, I need more of your presence so that I have the courage to step out and go. If that's for you, let me pray for you this morning. Raise your hand. Amen. Amen. That's a lot of you. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, right now, I just declare there is a pressing that there is an anointing, there is a strength that comes on the body of Christ right now. In the name of Jesus, I just release the oil from heaven right now on the heads of every saint that says, yes, send me. I'll go where you called me. I'll do what you've asked me. I'll line up with heaven. I'll bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and I'll step in to the positioning and promises you've laid for me, God, and I'll do your will on earth. I release the glory of heaven on you right now in the name of Jesus. Come on. If you want to receive that, stand up and I'm going to pray for you right now. In the name of Jesus, I just release the glory of heaven on you. Put your hands out and receive it. The oil of heaven dripping down like off, like off Aaron's beard. I just release the glory of heaven, the anointing of heaven, the transformational presence of heaven over you right now. And I declare that those things that the enemy has laid in your path have no more power. I break. I break. I break the enemy's stronghold over you to bring friction to your life. And I say to every rough place in the name of Jesus must be smooth. Every rough place must be smooth. Those places that have just kind of cut you, every time you touch them, they rough you up. They leave you tender. They cut you because they're rough. Father, those places that we don't seem to be able to get the grip of the enemy off, would you add some more oil? to those places in our life that every time we circle back around to chase after you, there's that same thing. There it is, pulling us down because the enemy still has a firm grip in those areas. There are places in your life the enemy still has a firm grip. There's places in my life he has a firm grip. And so I just declare right now, there is a new anointing coming on you from the Spirit of God to chase, to break Break the hold of the enemy on your life right now. You've broken the chains, but the grip is still there. So I decree and declare right now there is a release of heaven to break the grip of the enemy that keeps you in back, that keeps you from life more abundant, that keeps you from the greatness that God has called you to be, that keeps you from becoming a spiritual mother and father because you don't yet know how to step out of being a child. And start being the one that pours out on others. Father, would you take us to the next phase? Would you take us to a transformational place and pour out more oil? In the name of Jesus. 
we want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom. Shalom.